Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Well, we uh, this is the second week of jumping into um, responding to the vision, responding to the vision. And uh, how many of you last week was just, it was, you would say it's a, a pivotal moment in your walk with God, being able to come up and respond. How many of you say well, that, that was a pivotal moment for you in your life? Um, if, if you weren't here and weren't able to participate, um, there's more to come. <laughs> but essentially, these moments are really powerful when we bring who we are and surrender it to God and make an exchange for his strength and his life. It's this incredible thing that happens. And, uh, and today, we're going to kind of step into the next part of what it means to respond to the vision. You see, when, when God puts out vision before us, number one, it's really important for us to understand that we are not the ones who are responsible for completing the vision. It's God. It's God's vision. And he's the one who completes it, right? We are called to just partner with him. And so for us, and we talked about this last week, that the powerful part of anything to do with vision is that we first and foremost learn how to be before we do. We were designed, created to be with Christ, to learn what these rhythms of rest mean in our lives so that we can stop and pause and get off the hamster wheel to be able to just sit in God's presence and let him do a work in our lives. And this is first and foremost. This is the most important thing that we can do. And we talked about it last week, how we're going to start to see some shifts around our church in some of these areas to create these rhythms of rest, these rhythms where we learn how to be before we just do, where we understand, bless you, yes, in Jesus' name, uh, where, we, where we learn what it means to be recharged by his spirit and not just powering through to get things done. How many, how many would say in your life that this for you, that is, that is hugely important right now? That learning how to be and not just do and not just accomplish, but be who God called you to be is so, so important. Today, we're going to jump into to the next part of this, the next part of what it means to respond to vision. And, and I wanna, I'm going to pull some, some text today out of the book of Mark. And uh, Mark, in the first chapter, it lays out some, some pretty cool stuff. Um, that God uh, is doing and kind of the story of Jesus as he begins his ministry. Um, but I want to pray real quick and then um, we'll jump in. God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word that's alive and active. And Father, I pray that right now that you would anoint this time. Lord, help us to learn what it means to be your kids and to respond to what you're saying. Lord, help us to learn what it means to function in your rhythms to live in your rest, and to accomplish the things that you have put in our hearts. Lord, we know that you have incredible things in store. And God, you, your desire is that no person in here would be burned out, would be run down, but that we would be recharged with your spirit. I pray that you would do a work in your people today, anoint my words to be able to communicate what you put in my heart. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. In Mark 1, we see a different account of the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And it starts in, in verse 9. It says that in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized 
in the Jordan River by John. And as soon as he came up out of the river, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my dearly beloved son and with you I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. I thought it's interesting that Mark includes that he was with the wild animals because, you know, that would have been a cool thing for him. He made them, so, you know, that would have been pretty cool. But we see this beginning, and, and, and just to reiterate, and I'm not going to preach this again, but I think just to reiterate it, that being before doing was what Jesus exemplified in his ministry. Because we see that in those days he came and he was baptized, simply just baptized. He hadn't performed one miracle he hadn't done one action. He just simply was obedient to be baptized, came out, and the voice from heaven said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Let us anchor our salvation. Let us anchor our soul. Let us anchor our minds in that fact that before we do anything, that the voice of the father over us is, this is my dearly loved son and daughter, and in them I am well pleased. And the reason that we know that God speaks that over to us is because when God looks at us, he looks through his son. And if we have received the gift of salvation and if we've aligned our lives with God, what that means is we've come under the salvation and the saving power of Jesus Christ. So where we live in that presence, that when God then looks at us, he sees Jesus and he says, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And we receive that in our life because we are in Christ. This is why it's so important to be in Christ. Because if you're out from being in Christ, you got another thing coming. The Bible talks about this. There's the wrath and the judgment of God that is going to come on all sin. We don't like to talk about that. He's talking about wrath and judgment. It's real. But if we live in Christ, then we live in the salvation that he provided. So we see that Jesus did this, and then he went into the wilderness, and he responded, and he spent time in prayer and fasting as he began his ministry. And it all set him up for what he was going to do. Now, today, what I want to do for a few minutes here is talk about time. I want to talk about time today, time. Because in this passage, in Mark, there's, there's, there's two ideas of time that are represented and presented to us in this. And we jump down into to verse 14, where it says that after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what was the good news? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven has come near. How many of you are thankful that in your life, the kingdom of heaven has come near? This was his message. And he says to repent and believe the good news. This idea of time. In the Bible, there's, there's kind of two concepts for time that are laid out. And they're two Greek words. The first of these words is the word chronos, chronos time. Chronos time speaks of a while or, or a period of time or a linear timeline. It's where we get the term chronological from. 
It's, it's time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future, right? Anybody? No? Okay. Right? All right. We'll just leave that one alone. Um, Space Jam. It was great. It was amazing. Changed my childhood. Told me that I could be Michael Jordan, but in reality, I was Bill Murray all the way. It was just... Fifth and sixth grade, I believe, man, I could fly like an eagle, fly like an eagle, had the headband, and uh, no, anyway, <clears throat> I did not have a future in basketball, in sports, um, which was fine. Um, but you have this idea of time, okay? It just keeps going. It, it, keeps, it keeps going. But then you have this other idea of time laid out in the Bible called kairos, kairos. Kairos is a moment in time. Specifically, when God wants to reveal himself to you. We have chronos time, which is linear time and and just keeps moving. And then we have these moments in time that God wants to do something in our life. Kairos is what Jesus is talking about right here. The Greek word that Jesus uses. The time is fulfilled. The kairos, the moment in time. And the kingdom of heaven has come near. In Kairos moments, the kingdom of heaven wants to break into our world and to reveal something new about the character and the nature of God. There are these moments that are, that are powerful moments. I believe that for many of us, last week was a Kairos moment for a lot of us. Would you agree? It is a moment where heaven wants to invade our world and reveal something new about who Christ is. Beautiful moments, Kairos moments. But here's the, here's the other thing about Kairos moments. Kairos moments don't just have to be the big moments. The big moments are easy because there's usually a lot of emotion attached to them, right? We sit in a moment like we did last week and, and man, the emotion of it, which is not wrong, the emotion of it is so big and we walk away going, man, that was amazing. I felt God's presence. But can I tell you that Kairos moments also happen when it's you and your Bible early in the morning before anything else starts and he reveals one scripture to you that changes the whole trajectory of your life. Kairos doesn't have to be this massive thing. Kairos can be these little moments, these little moments. I, I, for me, one of these Kairos moments was when I was actually praying about coming here and when we were beginning to, to just really seek God. And I remember being in my office early one morning and just praying and saying, God, is this what you want? Is he, do you want us to come here? Like, spoiler alert, he did. Um, so that's fine. Um, but, you, you know, do you want us to come here? What do you want us to do? All this kind of stuff. And I was reading through the encounter with Moses in the burning bush. And I was just processing through it, just was in my, the course of my devotions. And I, I was going through and each excuse that Moses had, and I was like, God, I'm right there. Well, what if the people don't listen? What, what, what if I'm not the one? What if I don't have what it takes? Like all of these excuses that Moses gives and how faithful God was every time to come and answer what his concern was. Do, do you know that that's what God does in our lives? That every time we have concerns about things, he comes and he says, yeah, yeah, but here's some truth that you can use as an antidote to what you're starting to feel here in this moment. 
And so, so I'm reading through, reading through, and reading through, and then it gets to the end where he's like, man, God, I am no good at speaking. I, I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm not eloquent. I'm nothing. And, and that's the point that God kind of like righteously kind of gets into Moses's world a little bit. And is like, hey, hey, you, you, hey, you with the mouth, who made it? Who made the mute, the blind, the deaf? Was it not I? Oh, uh, uh, good point, good point, right? You know, like, and then, and then there's this little two-word phrase, and this is the Kairos moment, because I was going through this whole thing and just wrestling through my own insecurities and my own doubts and fears about stepping into this kind of a position. And then it got to this point where after God responded to Moses, two words, now go. And I'm telling you, it was audible in the room as if someone was standing there saying it with their own voice. It was a kairos. Now go. Well, I knew at that point I should probably go. And if I didn't, I'd have to talk to him about it. And that was it for me. And, and if you, Ellie and I, if we tell you this story together, I went up and I told her, I said, well, we're, we're going. We're, we're going to One Life. God's called us there. And she was, oh, okay. And, and then God confirmed it in her spirit, you know. But it was so certain. It was a Kairos moment. Another Kairos moment for me, and this is what I'm talking about. These moments can be little, where God just illuminates a scripture that speaks exactly to where you're at, or they can be big. In 2018, I was diagnosed with um, a brain tumor, a brain tumor that had been growing. Some of you know this story, but uh, a brain tumor that had been slow growing since I was a kid or in junior high and just had been growing and growing and growing. 2017 had been a year that I had more and more headaches and, and gotten dizzier and dizzier to the point where I would take ibuprofen on a daily basis and it would only barely take the edge off of my headache, but I was in excruciating pain and dizzy to the point where I could, just, I could never get my equilibrium straight. And in 2018, I, I went into a doctor and he was like, well, I think you're just stressed. Okay, so then he gave me a leave, which was great. And this doctor was so nice and he was so kind. And he just missed the brain tumor. It was the only little thing he did wrong. <laughs> but uh, 2018, woke up one morning. It was actually the morning after we accepted the offer to come to River Valley. And uh, woke up, could not control vomiting, just vomit nonstop, 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 for six hours. And after six hours, Ellie finally was like, there's something wrong. I got to take you to the hospital. And I'm glad she did it at six hours, you know. <laughs> and then she was like, you know, he's been having a lot of headaches. Like, do you think maybe you should like do a CT scan or something? And, you know, they were just like, well, yeah, okay, lady, we can, but we're not going to find anything, literally their words. So they did a CT scan, put me out in the waiting room, and we're like, hey, you know, it's going to be about a half hour. If we come out any sooner, you know something's wrong. She went out to charge her phone in the, uh, the car, and I was standing, I was sitting there in a wheelchair, just like hunched over. Five minutes later, maybe not even that, they came running out, grabbed me, rushed me back, MRI. Two days later, I was meeting with a neurologist looking at this x-ray. And uh, he said that at this point, the, the, the tumor had gotten so big that it was actually pinching off 
my spinal cord and the spinal fluid heading up to my brain. He said, you have two options. You can either take steroids and we'll do an MRI every month and then we'll do surgery once it gets too big. Or we could just do surgery now. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think. So I went months of MRI. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we decided to go in with the surgery. And of course in that, they, they have to do their due diligence, right? And they, they tell you all the things, right? There's, there's a chance because it's brain surgery and because of anesthesia, there's a chance that you could die. So you need to have your life insurance figured out, your will, all of this stuff, which is a really weird conversation when you're younger and you sit there going, I, we're talking death here, you know? But you go and you get it all ready and everything. And through this whole thing, I think it was so, so incredible because, and I'm not gonna tell her story because I want her to be able to do that, but Ellie received at the beginning of that time when I was in getting an MRI, she was sitting in the hospital room and received an absolute download and promise from the Lord that gave her peace through the entire thing. It was a Kairos moment that she hung on to throughout the whole ordeal. And so we got to the, the day of the surgery, went in, and, and I remember, you know, they had us in the little pre-op bed, and, you know, we, Ellie and I were there, and we said goodbye, and, you know, all that, and, and then they wheeled me back um, to, to start surgery. Um, and you, you have all the like stuff going through your head, right? You have all the what ifs and the what could be's and I should have done this and is this in order and all the details and everything, right? And I remember a moment going back where all of that literally stopped, like just went away, gone. And it sounds so cliche, but it's my story, so I get to say it this way. <laughs> the only thing that came into my mind was Psalm 23. That was it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with You see, I've been praying that God would take the tumor away. God, you can heal it. You can take this thing. I don't have to go through surgery. You could, you could do it. You could do it. I believe you could do it. There was a prayer meeting one night. 150 people gathered on the campus that we were at and prayed and interceded for hours for, for my healing and all of this kind of stuff. And it didn't happen. Here's the kairos, though, for me. It doesn't matter what happens. And it doesn't matter how it happens. And it doesn't matter if it looks like the way I would want it to look. He's in control and he's with me. That Kairos right there was worth going through the whole thing for. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I would go through the whole thing again, but I wouldn't. I mean, I would, but I... Wouldn't want to. But I would go through the whole thing again to receive that Kairos. Here's what's really cool. It's now being on the other side. Newsflash, I made it through, you know. <laughs> Getting on the other side of it. You know what's really cool? Is how God has used those moments to help other people. I can't tell you how many people that after I was done with surgery 
came across my path, either going through the same exact thing or have walked through those things, similar things, some believers, some not. Come go, man, I got this, you know, seizures, going headaches, going, I got a brain tumor. Really? I had one too. What? My neighbor, my next door neighbor had a brain tumor. And God aligned it where we were able to have a conversation about this. See, here's the thing. God never wastes one moment. In your life, whatever you are walking through, he will not waste the moment. The Kairos moment. Why? Because even if it's a hard moment, and even if it's a moment that it was the last thing on earth that you would have ever picked, it's not even on the list of things that you would have picked to have happen in your life. That in those Kairos moments, God is at work and wants to reveal himself to you. If you are here today and you are in the middle of one of these moments, I want you to know that even though it's a hard moment and even though you might be wrestling and you might be trying to figure out what life is all about and maybe there's even a little bit of anger towards God about God, why would you even allow this to happen? I want you to know that in the middle of that, there is a Kairos moment where the heaven is going to invade your world, where God's going to reveal himself to you. Do not forget that he's at work in your life. Do not forget that he's much bigger than any circumstance. Joseph said at the end of his life, you guys meant this for evil, but God turned it around for good. Kairos. We all have these Kairos moments that we walk through. And I think that the, the gauge for us is to understand what is God wanting to do in those moments? What's he wanting to show us about himself? Well, when God speaks and when there are these Kairos moments, Jesus says it in Mark 1.15 that there is a response that we have to those that will help us to get out of those moments what he wants to show us. He says it, Mark 1.15. The time has come. The kingdom, is, the, the, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Two responses here to when we have these moments. The word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoio. Metanoia comes from the root word metanoia, and it literally means to change the way you think about the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Allow the Holy Spirit to change how you think about some things. Maybe you've gotten in a little bit of a rut about how you process the things that happen in life. Metanoia. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you change the way you think about the way you think, to, to, to change, to adjust. Because it's in these kairos moments that God wants to help us to grow into who he wants us to be. He doesn't just want to leave us and say, well, you better figure it out. Good luck. No, Holy Spirit, help my mind to shift. Help my mind to shift. And the second word that he says in there is believe. The believe is pesteuo, 
Say that five times fast. And what it means is trust, to rely on, to prove, to be firm. Let me explain it in this way. Repentance involves hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying in these Kairos moments. Believing is putting the hearing to action. In other words, hearing and obeying. Our walk of life as disciples of Jesus boils right down to that. Understanding the Kairos moments that God is bringing into our life, hearing what he wants to speak to us, allowing him to change how we think about some things, and then obeying the things he's put in front of us. This is what it means to be a believer, to follow him, to follow his leading. Now, here's what's so cool about what's different about like just powering through and getting things done. Because like we talked about last week, we all have the tendency to do, 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 do. Did I, did I, sounds like I just said that there's things that you have to do, right? Which there is, but the order of things. We hear what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. We allow him to change the way we think and then we respond in obedience. We are not the initiators. We are the responders. We don't wanna get out too far forward in front of what God's doing in our life so that we're out there taking the brunt of everything and just running through it all on ourselves. No, we want to hear what he's doing, respond in the way that he wants us to, because in that moment, we are aligned with him. And it comes from an obedience place where now we are living out what he's already spoken to us. This is what happens in these Kairos moments. There's a repentance and there's a belief. Repentance comes from hearing the voice of God. And once we've heard, we believe, we put it into action and we obey. So to respond to vision, we first need to be with Jesus before doing anything for him. And secondly, we need to hear his voice and what he's saying to us and then obey him. You see how these two things work together? They absolutely are intertwined because if we get out in front of God, then we're in big trouble, right? When Jesus says in Matthew 11, to yoke, take on my yoke, don't smash an egg yoke on your head. That was funny. You guys can laugh. <laughs> Come on. The picture and the idea of, is when a young ox, when they were training a young ox, they would pair it with an older, more seasoned ox. The older, more seasoned ox would carry the brunt of the weight, but also knew the pacing at which to go. The young ox would just want to fly out forward and the yoke would keep him from burning himself out because he would have to go at the pace of the older ox. The young ox would also want to go off this way and, and be distracted. And the old ox would just trudge right along, keep the course and keep the young ox honed in. And the older ox would carry the weight, the burden of the plow. And the young ox would learn to walk in step. And as he grew, he would take more of the burden of that weight and walk with it. This is what Jesus invites us to do here. Not to get out in front of him, not to put the yoke on ourselves alone and just get out and figure out however we're gonna do it, but to be yoked with Christ, to follow the rhythm that he has, 
to follow the direction that he goes and to be able to learn how to rely on his strength and not just our strength. This is this definition. This is what it means to actually live in this. This is this relationship of hearing and obeying, hearing and obeying. You guys good? Okay. Now, a couple practical things here as we get ready to close today in a while. A couple practical things. How do we do this? How do we hear and how do we obey? The first thing is this. We need to tune your ears to God. Tune your ears to God. And when I say tune, this is really important. Are we simply just listening for the megaphone or are we attuned to the whisper? Are we listening for God to shout so loud that we can't miss it? Or are we so attuned to him that when he whispers, we hear every word that he says to us? First Kings, Elijah, God was gonna reveal himself to Elijah. And and then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Are we just listening for God to shout to us or are we doing the job to make sure that we're tuned to what he's saying? Is there, is there any desire, motivation, yearning in our hearts to hear the voice of God that we would position ourselves to hear the smallest whisper? Or are we running so fast that if God wants to get a hold of me, he's gonna have to shout really loud? My prayer is that we are people that are continually attuned to the smallest whisper to hear what he's saying. God speaks in all kinds of different methods. And I'm gonna give you this to you real quick. He speaks through his word. We know this. He speaks through his word, the word of God. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the smallest between joint and marrow. It's it's, it's powerful. And, And all of it is powerful. All of it in its entirety is the entire word of God, right? We have to listen to that. What is God speaking through his word? And are we positioning ourselves to hear? God speaks through the Holy Spirit. He uses the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and counsel. We hear his voice and we know what he's leading and guiding and directing us. God also speaks to us through wise counsel, through people in life that we trust that have lived a little bit, maybe a little bit more life than we have and have some wisdom that we can trust and we can rely on their counsel and rely on what they say. Right along with that, is covenant relationships. God speaks through covenant relationships. These are proven voices in your life of people that would come alongside to encourage you that you say, I want my life to look like that. If I align my life with this and if I listen to them, I'm okay with with my life heading in the trajectory of of those people because I I like what God's doing in their life and I I can move forward in that direction, right? But what are those? those? Those covenant relationships. And then the, the final one that God speaks through, common sense. 
we downplay common sense so much. You know, oh, that's just, that's too simple. That can't be it. Why not? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is where it all works together. Because the Holy Spirit confirms the word of God. Wise counsel needs to go through the word of God. Covenant relationships need to go through the word of God. And in our common sense, it better go through the word of God, right? All of those things originate in the word of God, but God uses all of them to be able to speak to us. So for us, tuning our ear to God means tuning our ear to the word, the Holy Spirit, wise counsel, to covenant relationships in our life, and to being able to actually understand common sense. They all work together. The second thing is this, reflect on what God is saying. Reflect, when we tune in and we hear him speak to us, we reflect, we ponder, we, we, we take gauge of it and we actually learn what God is saying, learning it. Here's what I would really encourage you to do is we're disciples and learners of Christ. Make a plan to what it means to reflect on the word of God. Make a plan. And here's why I say it this way. If there's no plan, nothing will ever happen. God will speak something, but if we don't have a plan to actually process that, reflect on it, and put it into practice in our life, it won't happen, right? We have to have a plan. God speaks something. Have I been a good steward of what he's speaking? And have I, have I grabbed a hold of it and have I reflected on it and put it into my life? Or have I just let it go? I, I, journaling, different people are all kinds of all over the place with journaling. Some people love journaling and they'll write pages and 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 say absolutely nothing. It's true. Or people don't like journaling, right? I don't like writing. I don't like, you know, it's, it's, I will say this and I'm not telling you to journal and I'm not even saying one way or another about journaling, but I will say this. Journaling for me has been a tool to grab a hold of the things that God has spoken. Because otherwise, my life's really busy. God can speak something in the morning, and I tell you by lunchtime, I'm like, what did God speak this morning? Anybody else there? Is that just me? Okay. Grab a hold of it. How, what's your mechanism? What's your plan for reflecting on what he has said? The third one, process what God is saying with trusted voices. Who are the people in your life, the trusted voices, who you can process and you can talk with, right? Um, God never intended us for just to be able to, to take what he spoke and figure out what to do with it on our own. He designed it so that we would walk in relationship with people to be able to process what he's saying. Because sometimes, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, and you've probably experienced this in your life, God will speak something and you're like, that's really cool, but I don't fully know how that all is supposed to work. And then you start processing it with some people that have some wisdom in your life and they start saying, well, have you considered this? And you're like, oh, I never even thought about that before. We need relationships with people that can help us process. He has things, right? Me and Jesus and that's all I need. It's not really the way that he actually designed it to be. It's, it's, it's just not. All I need is Jesus. Well, yeah, I mean, you need his salvation and that is what you need, but you need your people to be able to process and grow and learn. Number four is after you've heard, after you've, you've processed, after you've reflected, you have to put thoughts to action. You actually have to 
do them. Man, what's God been saying? Oh man, he's just been telling me, he has been challenging me to, to get away with him, to take a day and just go up into the mountains with my Bible and pray and spend time. That's so cool. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, when are you doing that? Uh, I, I don't know. When did he speak that to you? Oh, like four months ago. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Remember, hearing and not applying leads to really expensive beachfront property with a house that broken down. So, so understanding what it is to actually step out in what he said. This requires faith. This is why. We have to have faith that we've heard from God. Because let me tell you, there is a faith step. I believe God has said this. Vision Sunday, just a few weeks ago, when Ellie and I stood up here and we presented the vision of what we feel God has put in our hearts, faith goes, I'm going to present this and I'm going to step into this by faith. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but by faith, I believe God said it, so I'm going to step into it. It takes faith. It takes faith to hear, and then it takes faith to obey. It takes faith to actually step into those things and to obey what God is saying in our lives. And this is what Jesus sums up in there. Remember this. God, I'm going to read it. It's going to be up here. God doesn't ask you to do his part, but he also won't do your part. There's a part that God plays that you better not step into and be your own savior. If you step in to try to be your own savior, you are in big doo-doo. But God also is not going to do everything that you need to do in your life to hear and obey and apply what he said. He's looking to you to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That is part of spiritual maturity. That's part of growing up as a Christian is understanding what that means to actually step into that. We have a purpose and a calling to make a difference in God's story, but it will require obedience to what we hear. Be before do. Don't get the cart out in front of the horse. Don't try to just power through and make it happen. Learn how rhythms of rest. Be with Jesus. Push everything else away and be with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, be attuned to hear what he's speaking to you. Don't just sit there. Oh, I was with Jesus. What did he say? I don't have a clue. Listen to what he's saying. And then apply it. Be faithful stewards with what God speaks in your life. So I end this way by asking you this. Where are you at? Are you at a place where you say, you know what? I just need to hear the voice of God. It's been a long time. And I really, really want to hear his voice. Maybe that's where you're at today. And it's been quiet. And you've been, you've been pursuing and pursuing and you just need to hear his voice. You're looking for that that Kairos moment where God invades your world. 
But maybe you're at this place. (laughs) Do you just need to simply obey something that he's already said? A lot of times we can get in this place of, of, of wanting God to speak something. And when he doesn't, we wonder what's going on. Sometimes it's because he's already spoken and we just haven't obeyed yet. So, do we need to hear the voice of God? Or has God already spoken some things to us that he's looking for us to take a step of obedience in? How many would say that you're kind of in one of those two places? Right? This is, this is, this is where it sits. What is your right now thing? What is the thing that is right in front of you? Not the whole vision for your life, not the whole vision for 2023, not not five months down the road. What is the right now thing that he has spoken to your life that he is looking for you to respond to? If we miss the right now moments, we're not gonna be able to get any of the other stuff. Let us be a people that we hear God and we respond to what's right now in front of us. Right now. Okay, God, you're saying I need to get up 30 minutes earlier in the morning so that I can spend time with you. I don't like that. But it's what you've asked me to do, so I'm gonna do it. Maybe God said, I want you to pray with your spouse. Find a time to pray with your spouse. Oh, that's, that's, that's a big one. Step out in faith to obey. Does everyone hear my heart on this? Okay. You're not powering through and doing something. You're responding to the Kairos moments to hear what God's saying and respond to them. Remembering that he's the initiator We just respond.